All of my allegiance is rightfully yours. Man, God is doing something absolutely unbelievable at Faith Promise. And I don't know about you, but I'm just excited that we get to be a part of it. Faith Promise at all of our campuses. You, are you excited to be a part of what God's doing? I hope you are. I know we've talked about a little bit already, but I want to take a minute and just celebrate movement. As we talk about a fresh wind of God and, and, and the ship of our lives and where it's headed, I, I want us to know that students, the passion that they have can absolutely turn the ship of, of not only our church, but of culture in general. Uh, actually, this morning, uh, some of the elders, we were praying and asking God at all of our camps that he would move. And Carl Hasselbeck, one of our elders, he prayed something I think is so powerful. He said, would the next generation, would we get as much from them as we give to them? And I think there's so much power in that. Actually, there's some pictures from movement that I wanted us to see. There's, there's so much just, there's so much passion in them just pressing in, wanting to be close to what God is doing. There's so much power in partnering with this generation. You see 800 plus, almost 850 students, and then their leaders and then volunteer and staff coming and going before God for their generation. Again, let's be intentional. Let's make sure that we are partnering with this generation and the power that comes with that. See, they bring a fresh wind. Now, I love student ministry. I was in student ministry for almost 10 years. And there's one thing about student ministry that I don't miss. That would be the smells. The smells. Now, if you've ever you know, served in student ministry, you know that. And students, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to make fun of you. And you know. You've been in some, some small groups. You've been at a host home. Maybe you've been in a service and you're like, oh, that's not the wind of the spirit, right? And if you've never thought that, it's you. You stink. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. I was joking. But hey, you know, you know when it can get real bad is when you're in a car. I've, I've been on buses. I've been in cars full of students, especially boys. And let me tell you, there's no more powerful place to be than in charge of the windows where you can roll them down and let the fresh wind of revival fill your nostrils, right? Right there, you can, you can see the light closing in and you're like, oh, unconscious is coming. And then the windows, right? Now this whole month, we've been talking about a different kind of wind, okay? One that brings more of a pleasant aroma. The fresh wind, the ruach, the breath of God that brings revival to our families, to our communities and to our nation. But let me ask you, during this series, which if you've missed one week, please go back and watch it on the app or watch it online. But have you ever felt windless? Like your ship, the ship of your life was stuck, just stagnant. It's, it's just hot and muggy and, and maybe even stinky. But can I just tell you that that is not God's plan? Let me tell you this, I'm not saying that life will be perfect, but I am telling you that God will be present. And if God is present, that means that his breath, his ruach, his breath of life, and the opportunity for revival is right there. That's why we've been pursuing God's favor, finding God's favor all year in our life. In our theme verse for the year in Psalms 90, verse 17, and it says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God's favor is always at work. God's presence, his ruach is always there. The question is, will, be we, will we be aware of it? Will we participate in it? 
What I want us to press into this weekend is what will we do with the breath of God, with the ruach, with the revival that we have been given? If you're a Christ follower, you have been given that ruach. You have been given the Holy Spirit. You have been given the opportunity to walk in revival yourself. What will we do with it? Will we bring the wind of revival into our sails? Or will we block revival from ourselves and others? Let's go before God and give him this time. God, we're so grateful for you. And, and I just ask that you would be so present today. Father, we put our heart in your hands. And we ask that for you to mold us. As we get into the truth of your word, would you push us where you want us to go? God, you've called faith promise. I seriously believe for a global movement. But before it can go to the globe, it has to come in us. God, would you help us to be obedient today? Would you help us to walk where you called us to walk today? Help us. Move first to start this real love movement. In your precious name we pray. Amen, amen. Hey, I want to welcome you, uh, whether you're online, if you're at a campus, wherever you're at. We're so grateful that you're here, excited about what God's doing in your life, in and through you. Hey, I want to give you something to pray for, well, to celebrate and to pray for. Our Bristol campus will have their grand opening on October 17th, opening with two services. Can we praise God for that? Amazing, amazing. Thank you for giving generously, Faith Promise. And Bristol, we believe in you. As you take this real love movement, this revival in and through you to Bristol, we go across the state of Tennessee. We're so proud of you. Continue to pray for them. Uh, please continue to pray and ask God to move. Welcome to all of our campuses. We're so excited. And I, I just believe that today is going to be a, a, just a milestone event for everyone within the sound of our voice, within the sound of this church because none of us want to block revival, right? No, nobody would say, yeah, yeah, I feel good about blocking revival. But here's the question. If we're not bringing revival to ourselves and others, then what are we doing? None of us want to block it, but if we're not bringing it, then what are we doing? Now, this is going to be challenging. This is going to be challenging, but actually right now, all of our campuses, we just close your eyes. Don't be distracted. Just listen to my voice right now. And I want you to ask God a question. Ask God this question. Am I bringing or blocking revival? Take a second. Am I bringing or blocking revival? Okay, you can join me back up here right now. I want you to hold on to what you feel like God told you right there. Because let me tell you, we want revival. We need revival. In Psalms 85, verse 6, it said, the psalmist writes, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? I don't know about you, but I don't think we rejoice enough. I, I, I know me personally, I feel like I'm the most blessed guy in the world. I have a great family. I have a great calling. I have great friends, but I don't rejoice enough. I don't walk into the room, and the room just feels different, that there's joy there. I, I don't know if you feel that way, but I want more joy. Revival brings that. Revival brings love, it brings unity, it brings restoration, it brings peace, it brings purpose. It, it, it brings all the things that our world is desperately looking for and so many other things. We want revival. So let me ask you another hard question. If you're ready, say I'm ready. If you're ready, say I'm ready. What if the biggest hindrance to revival is us? 
What if the biggest hindrance to revival is us? What if a fresh wind of God's glorious, miraculous presence for you, for your family, for this real love movement called Faith Promise, what if it's only one step away? Would you take that step? Would you be obedient? Would you trust God and do what he's asking you to do? Because that's all obedience is. It's not some crazy, hard theological word. Obedience is trusting God and doing what he's asked. Believers, we are called to bring revival, not to block it. Listen, and this is probably a new thought. This is so challenging for me. It has to come to us to move through us. Revival has to come to us first. Listen, revival cannot skip you. Revival cannot skip me. Hey, mom and dad, do you want, do you want a fresh wind? Do you want a revival for your kids, for your household? What well, can't skip you? Hey, group leaders for kids, students, and adults, do you want to see freedom and restoration and, and, and freedom from addiction and all that kind of stuff, a fresh wind of revival in your group? It can't skip you. Hey, students, after movement weekend, well, we've been so pumped and excited about what God's doing. Don't you want to see revival in your school, on your teams, with, with your family, with your friends? It can't skip you. That's actually what movement was created for. That's what movement's all about, about bringing revival to us and through us, that we would be the movement that God is calling us to be. And if we want this real love movement, that faith promise is called to be. We're called to be more than just one local church. We're called to be a movement bringing life change across our nations to homes, communities, to our, to our state and to our nation. But if we want this real love movement to change hearts, lives, and communities, our state and our world, it can't skip you. It starts with you. It starts with me. Listen. What's going on inside of you, in your heart, and your mind? It's not the world's fault. It's not culture's fault. It's not the country's fault. It's not the media's fault. It's not the government's fault. It's not anyone else's fault. If you're a Christ follower, you are not a victim. If you're a Christ follower, you cannot be made to be a victim. The creator, the power, the, the, the spirit of power, God's presence, God's identity is in you. Revival starts in you. It can't skip. Revival can't skip you. Oh, but Pastor Zach, God couldn't use little old me. I'm not, I'm not strong enough. I'm not, I'm not old enough. I'm not bold enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough. I, I, I can't speak well enough. He, he couldn't use me. Well, hey, let me show you, as we're talking about ships and we're talking about the ocean and wind, let me show you one of the most important boats used around the world every day. And that is the tugboat. Now, you're going to see a picture up there. And there's that big, huge boat. But look at that little boat right in front of it. Listen, tugboats, they're not the fastest. They're not the strongest. They're not the sleekest. And they're certainly not the biggest. But they have the power to move bigger boats filled with more people than they could ever move on their own to get them where they need to go. Sometimes they push, sometimes they pull, they, they, they make a splash, but it's not by being perfect or flashy or fancy, but they do it by getting close to doing whatever it takes to get those boats where they need 
to go. That's how the tugboats do their job. So let's be tugboats. Let's get in close with people where we live, work, study, shop, and play. Let's be the real love movement and tell them of him. That's why it's one of our values. This may be the first time at church, but let's be tugboats. Can I get a toot-toot? Oh, we knew better than that. Can I get a toot-toot? Amen. You take that. You take that. You just, you're on your way to work. You just you, you, like the little tugboat that could. Toot-toot, right? So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about two kingdom captains. One who steered towards bringing revival and one who steered towards blocking revival. We're going to talk about Jonah. We're going to talk about Jesus. And if you've never heard of Jonah, in the Old Testament, there's a book called Jonah. I'd really encourage you to read it as a family. It's great. Like, seriously, you may have not grown up in church. Maybe you've never read it. It's an unbelievable story. If if you've ever heard about the guy that got swallowed by the big fish, that's Jonah. I'd encourage you to read it. Again, unbelievable story. I've been studying it with my kids this week. It's so good. But what we see is we see Jonah and Jesus put in crazy similar circumstances because they were both called to be and to bring revival to a group of people. But I want us to watch their response because we've all been called to bring revival as well. What it's up to now is how will we respond? See, it's not about the atmosphere or the circumstances, but it's about the obedience The first thing we see God do very clearly is ask them to move, ask them to go. In Jonah uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, this is how the book starts out. It says, the war of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and and God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed towards Tarshish. I can't say that one without sounding like I have a list. Tarshish, right? He went down to Joppa where he found a ship uh, bound for the port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. He went, Tarshish was the direct opposite way of Nineveh where God had called him to go. See, God told Jonah to go and Jonah said, no. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been there? In 2017, uh, we, we have words for the year here. You, you pick a word and you grow in it. And my word for the year in 2017 was spirit-led. I, I, I really did. I wanted to be led by the Holy Spirit. I wanted to see revival and be revival and bring revival. And I called Robert Bruce, who leads our prayer ministry at Faith Promise, and I was looking for something deep. You ever been in a, a, a th- a, like a challenge and you're looking for something deep, right? You're looking for like a vision on the wall or something like that. That's what I was expecting. Now, that's what I needed. Some of us come on the weekend, we're looking for some some deep teaching. We're looking for a pastor to give us something that's going to change our world. And that's what I was calling Robert the Bruce, expecting. And I explained to him, I said, hey, my word for the year is spirit-led. I want to walk in power. I want to see revival. And he just asked me a simple question. He said, hey, Zach, what's the last thing the Holy Spirit asked you to do that you said no to? That was the end of the conversation. That's all I needed. And he said, write that list down, go do it, and we'll talk when you're done. Has God ever told you to go? And you said no. I believe this is one of the biggest revival blockers. Let's not talk about the church. Let's talk about our church. I think that this is one of the biggest revival blockers in our church. 
we see God ask Jesus to move. Let me read this to you, and then I'll give you a little context. In Matthew, which was one of Jesus' followers, he remembers this time. In Matthew 26, verse 39, and it says he, that's Jesus, went a little beyond them, that's the disciples, his best friend, and he fell on his face. And he prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will. Man, you may not be familiar with what's happening right here, but Jesus is about to be betrayed. Jesus is about to go to the cross, and he's begging God, God, is there any other way for us to save him? Is there any other way for them to have a relationship? Because God's asked him to go to the cross. But God told Jesus to suffer, and Jesus said, yes, sir. God says to go to the cross, and Jesus cries, as you will. Listen, God tells Jesus to die, and Jesus says, it is done. There's such a difference in how they respond to God asking them to move. But the question today isn't about Jonah, and it's not about Jesus. What about us? What do we do when God tells us to go? Do we say no, or do we say as you will? Our obedience and when he calls us to go will directly bring or block revival. Does the wind of God's agenda guide the direction of our ship? Or does the wind of our own agenda guide the direction of our ship? I think that's so challenging. I think there's so much freedom. I think there's revival to be brought in how we respond to God telling us to go. Whether it's to go to follow a calling or just to go to ask for forgiveness or to go to tell somebody you love them or to pray for a coworker. I don't know what it is. But I... I think God's laying it on your heart now. There's something else that we can really see. And, and, and hey, I, I, I really got a revelation for this in my time praying for you this week. And I'll be honest, part of this, which I don't say this often, part of this point is pretty scary. See, in Jonah verse, cha uh, chapter 1, verses 5, after he gets on that boat, God sends a huge storm because God had somewhere he wanted Jonah to go. And as that huge storm hits, we see this in verse 5. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And then they threw cargo. They, they were just desperate for their life, desperate for their life. They were throwing cargo into the sea, but it said this, Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down, and he fell into a deep sleep. So Jonah's boat is going the opposite direction God called him to go. There's a huge storm, and he's underneath in a deep Deep sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Like snoring, rim cycle. He's out. Hold that thought. Matthew, again, one of Jesus' followers, he records this. During their ministry, he remembers this and writes it down. In Matthew 8, 24, it says this. And behold, a violent storm developed on the sea so that the boat was being covered in waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. We see Jonah and Jesus in the midst of a storm, fast asleep. This is what I want us to see is that Jonah had a self-centered, self-serving peace, taking him towards where he wanted to go. But Jesus had a supernatural peace. His ship was heading towards, his, his ship was heading towards uh, serving others and growing together and telling them of him. 
I, I think this is so important, and this is what I want to tell you, and sin sincerely, it's terrifying that you can talk yourself into a, a, a false peace, that your ship can be going the opposite way, totally in disobedience to God. You can be right in the middle of blocking revival and be in a deep sleep. I, God, when I was, I, my last run of this, when I ran it in my bed, I'm weeping as God's showing me there's people who are sleeping, they're calling away, and their boat's heading the opposite direction. We have to ask this weekend, where's your boat headed? Where's your peace come from? Does it come from being served and feeling safe? Or, like Jesus's, does it come from finding the lost and furthering the kingdom? Our obedience and where our peace comes from will directly affect if we are bringing revival or if we are blocking it. I know that feels, can we just, can we just pray for a second? I'm not dumb, but I just want us to pray. God, I just ask right now that you would soften our hearts. God, that you would bring us to obedience. I feel like right now, including myself, we are face to face with your calling. Help us be obedient. Help us to move. Help us to go. Help us to go to you for our peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, there's one more massive moment that we see in Jonah and Jesus' responses to bringing revival and being revival. And you know, the first two are internal. And this one's external. The last one we see is how they respond to people, especially people they don't like. In Jonah, we're going to skip to the last chapter of the book in Jonah 4, verses 1 through 3. It starts by saying this, but to Jonah this seemed very wrong. What seemed wrong? Well, what had happened was there was a storm, and they threw Jonah overboard. He got swallowed by a big fish. The fish took him to Nineveh. So he went and preached in Nineveh like he was supposed to. You know, 120,000 people got set. 120,000 people turned to God in sackcloth and ashes. You think our culture is hard today? They were sacrificing their children in public. They were peeling the skin off of traitors and leaving them in the streets. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. It said that they were so lost they couldn't see their right hand from their left. That's where they were at. And Jonah went and preached, and this is his response. But to, listen to what he says. Just listen to what he says. He says, but to Jonah this seemed very wrong. And he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I forestalled by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious God. I knew that you were a compassionate God, one that is slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord... Just take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. What? He just experienced revival. But it wasn't for people that he liked. Jonah wanted his preference. Jonah wanted what he thought was right. Listen to this. Jonah wanted his judgment. Think about how you view people when you see them on the news, when you see them on social media? And what do you hope for them? Jonah wanted to pick and choose revival based on the wind 
of his preference. It led him to the point where he wanted to quit life. Not just quit life, take his own life. But we see in Jesus, Jesus was built different. Jesus lived different. Jesus loved different. Let me read this passage, and I'll give you the context. Some of you may know it, but it's powerful. In Luke 23, verse 34, it says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they divide his clothes up by casting lots. That seems pretty chill that you say, hey, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And you may, you, what's happening? Are, are, are they just sinning? Are they just like, are they stealing? Are they judging? Like, like what, what's, what's, that, what's that, 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 that statement of grace for? He says that when he's on the cross. He says that after they've, they've whipped him where there's no skin left on his back, where they've pulled his beard out, where they've slapped him in the face, where they put a crown of thorns on his head and beat it down with a rod. And he's on the cross, and on the cross, what you do is you, your hands are nailed and your feet are nailed, and you have to push up to breathe, and he's suffocating, and he's beaten. And what's his response? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. What? Jonah wanted his preference. Jesus wanted your presence. What? Jesus' preference was our presence. If anybody could have picked their own selfish preference, it would have been Jesus. He didn't want to die on that cross, but he didn't want you. And as he, he was willing to sacrifice every last breath to breathe. Revival. What about us? Where do we stand in bringing revival? Our preference, does it come first or do people come first? Our obedience in that directly affects if we're bringing or if we're blocking revival. Hey, maybe you don't know this, but it is God's preference that you be with him. It's Jesus' preference. He, he loves you so much. And maybe you've only ever come to church. Maybe you didn't know he wants a relationship with you, but he does so desperately that he would die on the cross for you. He loves you. It actually says this in Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. I love this. It says, a new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, it has cleared the air, freeing you, freeing me from the fate of a lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Our God has provided freedom. Our God has overcome death. Our God has made a way for us to be in relationship with him. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you can put your faith in Jesus this weekend and receive a relationship. Sure, you get to go to heaven, and sure, you get eternal life, but you get a relationship with Jesus. A love that can't be shaken, a love that can't be taken. His preference is you. And it says in the Bible, all you have to do is confess with your mouth that you believe that he's Lord, you believe that he died for you and your sins and you'll be saved. So we're gonna do that right now as a family. Would you join, would you at all of our camps, would you bow your head and close your eyes? We're gonna pray that prayer right now, right here together. 
We don't pray alone at Faith Promise. We are a family. So let's do it right now boldly. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming for me. Please forgive me. I want a new life. I want a new heart. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. I will love and follow you. Hey, head still bowed, eyes still closed. But if you did that today for the first time, maybe for the first time in your adult life, when you meant it, would you just raise your hand? Let us celebrate with you. Just raise your hand. Say, hey, for the first time, I realized today that that was God's preference for me to be in relationship with him. Amen, amen. Faith Promise, can we celebrate all of our campuses with those people? Amen, amen. Campus pastors, you guys take it. Hey, guys, if you gave your life to Christ today, will, will you text the word SAVE to the number on the screen? Uh, just, just let us know. We just want to walk with you and put on the communication card and drop in the bucket on your way out. And we, we want to walk with you. We want to help you take your next steps. But hey, guys, stay, stay focused with me. Stay focused with me. Because as we've gone through this message, believers in the room, I think there's been a lot of conviction. Not condemnation, but I think there's been a lot of conviction. What is God asking you to do? Is God asking you to shift your response to when he says go? Is he asking you to change where you get your peace from? Is he asking you to change your outlook on other people? What's God asking you to do? I think it's time for us to repent. I think it's time for us to be brokenhearted that we haven't been being revival and bringing revival. We're not worried about culture. We're not worried about other churches. We're worried about the kingdom that he's called faith promise, not just to be, but to bring. For some crazy reason, Jesus chose men and women as his method to bring revival. But first it has to come to us to go through us. So there's gonna be some prayer team up front and you, I'm gonna ask you one of three things. I'm gonna ask you to do one of three things. To come up here to get prayer, to come up here and pray at the altar on your own, or to make your seat an altar and ask God to bring revival to your heart, to your life, so we can fulfill our calling of bringing revival to a broken world, to Jesus' kids that desperately need it. We believe, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. That's revival. God, we come before you right now, before we enter into a time of response and worship, God, will you please move? Will you please break our hearts for what breaks yours? God, please don't, don't let us look at obedience in the face and turn away to be lukewarm Christians and turn away for a, a, a God, an idol of self. But God, let us elevate you and be who you've called us to be. God, please break us down and make us be that revival. Let us start with us. Let us start at Faith Promise. Let us start Movement Weekend. What a perfect intersection of your glory, of your divine fulfillment for who you've called us to be. The only thing that's left is our humble obedience to your calling. Meet with us right here, right now. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's do work with God.
and it be revival.